Well, good afternoon. It's Father Larry Richards, and you are with on Anchored in Hope um, on June the 9th. Can you imagine? It's June 2022, and we're very glad you're here. If it's your first time watching, well, welcome. This, what we do is we talk about how Christ is our anchor, and we're anchored in him. Hope is our anchor, and we're anchored in Christ. So uh, this is your chance, if you're watching live, to uh, ask some kind of questions, any kind of question you'd like on the church, on the live chat, and I read it and answer it. You can also, if you're not watching live, but you want to ask a question on the next uh, podcast, just write to the Reason for Our Hope. Uh, .org. Just go there and uh, write the foundation and just put on their podcast and uh, they'll get it to me. Okay, so let's pray. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, Father, thank you for hearing us. We know that you always hear us. Oh, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon us, that we would be people of great hope, that we would know your love, we would know your joy, we would know your peace. Father, we just ask you, please, to lead us and guide us and help us to trust in you, no matter the situation. May we always be people of hope. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, welcome. Again, if you've been following any of my stuff, it's been a hard uh, yesterday in, uh, with me. Um, my dog Rex, the last of my uh, dogs, I've had Rex and Mac. I've had Rex for about 12 and a half years, and um, I had with him Mac. Mac was a purebred uh Rottweiler and he died in October of cancer and yesterday we had to put Rex down we don't know exactly what for I was away giving a talk or doing a 25th anniversary in Washington DC for good friends who I married 25 years ago um, it was fantastic to see them and their family and Rex uh, last Friday start not doing so well and um, then he got much worse then it got better on Monday, and then Tuesday went back downhill when I had a, a drive down to Washington. And then um, they said he wasn't doing well, and they had to pick him up and move him. So I said, well, wait till I get back. I'll be home about 3.30. And then he had a um, uh, convulsions and everything at about noon. And so they um, called me and says, Father, we got to take him and put him down. So they did. Um, and then they cleaned up everything. Uh, so when I got home, it was the weirdest thing because for um, before him, for 19 years, I've had dogs at the, the rectory, so they moved all that stuff out. Um, so I can't have any more animals right now anyway, at least until the fall. Because um, I used to have people that would uh, take care of them, and so uh, they retired. So there's no one to take care of uh, a dog when I'm on the road all the time. So... If I ever do get another dog, I have to train him to be in a, um, a kennel in that while I'm away. Um, and then yesterday also, uh, my cook of about uh, 15 years passed away, and she was always real close to my dogs too. And so her and um, 
Rex were together for a long time and she'd always make him special food afterwards, um, after the dinner. Or so after the dinner, when I would feed him, he'd always have something extra special uh, that Mary took care of. So I thought it was appropriate that um, God took them both to himself the same day. But again, no, it's been kind of, uh, for these last eight months with Mac dying in October, my mother dying in March, and then um, Rex dying yesterday. <sighs> just got to breathe and uh, get stuff. But we're here about hope, but I just wanted to fill everybody in because I know you, they saw most of the posts and that. I wasn't even going to post it because I thought, boy, this has been a year, and every time you, you see anything by Father Larry, it's something sad, you know, Except every night when I post on Instagram, and it's always hope-filled and comforting. Um, but when I've been uh, sharing personal stuff, it's been a hard year when it comes to that. So uh, I know God has a plan. He's been closing all these doors, so I know he's going to open something new. And I have absolutely no idea what that is. But I am um, have been saying, I don't like any of this, Lord, just so you know. I mean... But I trust in you. So that's all part of the reality that we don't have to uh, like um, where we're at before the Lord Jesus didn't. Before he died, he asked God to let this cup pass him by. So we can do the same thing. Um, so, but you always got to know that in the midst of everything, that we're never alone, that God is always with us, that God does have a plan. It doesn't mean you're not sad. It just means that, you trust. You can be sad and you trust. It's like when I talk about to everybody again, we're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed. And people sit there and say, oh, I don't know how, ah, are you kidding me? Of course we're blessed. doesn't mean we're not stressed. It doesn't mean we're not sad. It doesn't mean we're going, not going through uh, troubles. But we're still so blessed that uh, God has uh, died for us. God has saved us. You know, even when we lose people, I mean, I had... Uh, Mac for eight years, one of the greatest dogs. Rex was a great, great dog. My mother, of course, a great person. And what a blessing to have all those people in my life. Mary, our cook, I ask you to pray for her. Mary Dance, who passed away yesterday. She was one of the most fantastic people, very prayerful people. I'd walk out into the kitchen and there she'd be in between things waiting for something to get done. She'd be saying the rosary. Um very prayerful person, very, uh, very, very good person. And I got to be with her a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about her dying, and I says, think about how excited you should be that you're going to be able to see Jesus soon. And she goes, I know, it's, it's a great thing. And, I, and like I've said a million times to people, Mary, and you know heaven's going to be nicer than Erie. <laughs> she laughed, as usually people do. So this is where we're at. But God has some great plans for all of us. And um, again, even with my parish, things are crazy. So this weekend we're having a big, um, um, and I ask you to pray for this. We're focusing on where the Lord is calling us in the future. You know, what's going to happen to our parish? Our, our, uh, we can continue to grow. You know, just this past week, someone else left the parish. They're going to the Latin Mass. And um, it's been happening a lot. So we got to refocus on, you know, what are we doing? Are we doing God's will? Um, 
and we're going to follow God no matter what. So it doesn't matter. Like even my leadership, they've been saying, okay, we need to do this, this, this. And I says, we need just to listen to the Lord. So um, I'm going to read some scripture, give a little background where we're going and put out the Lord and the most blessed sacrament for 15 minutes. And I'm going to ask people just to ask to listen to him and see where the Lord leads us. And then we'll get into groups and then uh, we'll share with the whole com- uh, the whole community about where we feel the Lord is calling us and leading us. Um, and then we'll go from there. So I encourage your prayers uh, for our reality of the future. Okay, so let's get right in. Sorry, that's kind of a downer now, isn't it? Sorry about that. Anyway, I had to get it out of the way, though. Hi, Father Larry. Thank you for condolences for Rick. Nice readings, nice mass. Yeah, yeah. We got the new seminarian now, and he's a fantastic guy. I'm very, uh, I just found out about it uh, last week, like I told you, and so we got him Monday, and he's been very good. I've been very impressed. He's going to be a good priest, God willing, if that's what God calls him to, or a good father or whatever. So now's the time to, uh, for him to be listening and for us to be praying. Okay. You know, Elijah was an Australian, sure. Good evening, everybody. Hi, Harry. Australian men are famous for uh, lighting barbecues on the beach at Christmas, and Elijah certainly knew how to light a barbie. <laughs> yes, he did. Harry. Anyway, good job. Lawrence of Las Vegas. What a name, Lawrence of Las Vegas. Hi, Father. I'm driving during deliveries, so I had to write this now before I couldn't. Any advice in getting into the habit of praying the divine office? I always end up forgetting, missing an hour. The best thing to do, literally, as you're starting uh, Lawrence of Vegas, is to um, just do the morning and evening prayer. Because you wake up in the morning and do it before you do anything else, you know. Um, do it, period. Before you do anything else, just spend some time with the Lord in the office. And remember that you're praying for the church. You're praying with Jesus. And then before you go to bed, you can do evening prayer, you can do night prayer. You know, I do it because it's just, it takes 30 days, they say, uh, to get a habit. So if you have problems because you forget, well, if you have a, a mobile phone, you know, put it on your mobile phone. Like I have an iPhone, of course, and so I have all these reminders. And so it'll come up and it'll come up whatever time, like uh, for me, it's uh, 10 minutes after four or whatever it is. And it sits there and um, in the morning it says, do morning prayer. You know, and I'm already in the middle of it usually. But uh, again, it's there just to remind me or like, like I have a thing to remind me to send my tweets in the morning, remind me to send my tweets at night, which are normally just natural for me. But again, um, if I'm busy in the middle of different things, I can forget stuff. And so it's there. So that would be helpful. And also start with the basics. Don't go. You don't have to do all the hours. Uh, just morning and evening prayer, the major hours, night prayer, you can memorize, and that's just part of the reality. Uh, but again, for those of you who don't, uh, the, the office of the church is what priests and nuns say throughout the world. It shows we're praying for the whole world. We're praying for the church, and we're praying for the world because that's what Jesus is doing. And so we unite ourselves with Jesus. It's not... Um, the office isn't for our personal, like, oh, I feel so good when I pray the office. It's really about praying with Jesus for the world, interceding, and it's an important thing. So hope that helps, Lawrence. It's, um, you know, just basic basic stuff. Keep it simple in the beginning. 
Mary Mayo. Hi, Father Larry. Can you talk a bit about why a couple would have a wedding ceremony rather than a mass? Well, if both are Catholic, I've never allowed two Catholics not to have a mass. <laughs> so I would say, nope, you're Catholic, you're going to have a mass. You want Jesus to be the one who brings you together. If one is Catholic and one is not, <laughs> then usually you have a ceremony. Why? Because if um, I don't make them have a ceremony, I give them the option. But like the non-Catholics can't receive communion, so it's uh, it shows disunity there, and that's not a good thing to show right from the very beginning at a wedding uh, service. So usually if both are Catholic, they should always have a Mass. If one is not Catholic, they should usually have a, a ceremony. Um, but again, it's an important reality that, you know, the Mass is the source and the summit of our lives is what the teaching of the church says. And so if we're going to get married, if we can do it inside the Mass, that's phenomenal. You can do it outside the Mass. Um, it's allowed, you know. I just, it's not allowed for the people <laughs> marrying. <laughs> you always say, listen, you want me to marry you? We're going to do it in a Mass. You want to find someone else to marry you? You're most welcome to do that. Uh, but if you're both Catholic, uh, we're going to do it in a Mass. It's kind of like, now the biggest thing is uh, people are not getting buried in the church. And I just think that's the saddest thing ever. If any time anyone ever needs a mass, it's at the moment of their death or right after they've died. That, you know, and so again, yeah, if you're Catholic and you know, it's important to you, you make sure you put that on top of your will that this will cannot be read until a funeral mass is said for me. You know what they, and you make sure you tell them you want a funeral mass. You want, um, because that's, you, you're, you're, um, taking what Jesus did and you're offering the perfect prayer and Jesus is offering up his life for you. It ain't about what you've done in your life. It's about what Jesus has done for you. So it's extremely important, extremely important that every single Catholic has a mass when they die. You can have masses said for those who aren't Catholic. Of course you can. God is bigger than all this stuff. But just recently we had a priest die in our diocese that didn't want a Catholic mass. And I didn't want a mass. And I'm just like, what? A priest doesn't want mass? So, listen, everybody does their own thing, I guess, nowadays. But it's the most important prayer there is, the mass. Nothing's more important. So when we unite ourselves and our intentions with the intentions of Jesus, it's a fantastic thing. Okay, hope that helps, Mary. Kelly, hi, Father. I have been in trouble getting out of the house for any occasion because of my high anxiety and depression. I do watch Mass via, via YouTube. Why would Jesus give me this cross if it keeps me from him? Sometimes, Kelly, you know, and I've struggled with depression and that sometimes, and I get anxiety uh, too. Um, and sometimes we use our anxiety and our depression as an excuse for why we can't do things. And sometimes the Lord uh, gives us this so we can be victim souls, yes. But sometimes he gives us this and he wants us to go beyond, you know, so... 
he might say, okay, this is what you have, but I want you to get up and go out and do something. Don't make an excuse. I can't go out because I'm depressed. I can't go out because I'm anxiety. That like even again, my degrees in counseling. And so if, uh, if I was seeing someone who says I couldn't get out of the house, I'd say, okay, tomorrow I want you to take a step out of the house. The next day I want you to take two steps. Because what happens is anxiety and depression keeps us focused on ourselves. And it gets worse if we don't go outside of ourselves. So we got to sit there and try to start focusing on other people and focusing on other realities. So again, as I've said before, I encourage you to write on a piece of paper all the things that cause you anxiety and all the things that depress you. Try to be very clear about that. huh? But then on another sheet of paper, start putting all the things that you can praise God for and be very basic. I can talk, I can see, I can hear, I can read, I can watch TV. Uh, Jesus died for me. I can pray. I can um, uh, move my hands. I, whatever it is, just keep very basic. And you'll always find more things to praise God for than not. So you begin by praising God. So it helps you to get out of yourself and focus on God. And that'll kind of uh, lift you out of depression and anxiety because now instead of focusing on yourself in fear or focusing on all the stuff that's happened to you, you're now focusing on God. So that's the first step. And then while you're at home and you have anxiety and depression, again, instead of being focused on yourself, start having a prayer lift. So without even walking out the door, you start praying for people beyond you. You start praying for people that don't know God, for people who are, and, and because you're sitting at home and you're depressed and anxious, you have time to do this. So you sit there and you start praying for the people in Ukraine. You start praying for the end of abortion. You start praying for babies in their mother's wombs. You start praying for people who are sick. And now you're becoming other-centered, and that's going to slowly get you out of all that anxiety and depression. You know, again, the, the third, third thing is they have shown again and again that exercise works almost as well if not better than medication so even if you're at home you start exercising you start doing something i don't feel like it father i i get it you don't let your feelings determine what you do even again if it's walking around the house if it's uh like I have an elliptical, if it's getting an elliptical or you could have a walking uh, thing to do something, I don't feel like it. I know you do it anyway. It don't let your feelings determine it. And again, I've struggled with this myself throughout the years. I know exactly. I'm just telling you this is one way to do it. And then once you slowly get out of the house, once you slowly get other centered, then you start volunteering to help other people. And that will really take you a long way to get beyond this. Now, I know it's oversimplification, and I'm telling you something in three minutes, and hopefully, if you have anxiety and depression, you're seeing somebody, and hopefully, you're talking these things through. Hopefully, people aren't just giving you medication and say, okay, this will help, and you're sitting at home. The medication should really help you get out of the house, and counseling should help you do that. Again, right after I'm done here, I will go see my shrink, you know, and I need to see him today. But again, you got to do stuff to get you out. Now, again, we're all going to be praying for you. 
uh, to help this happen with you. But don't just sit there and say, it's my cross. I just have to deal with it. It's I take this cross, I unite this cross with you and then take it and give it to somebody else. Not give your pain, but say, Lord, I suffer this anxiety. I suffer this depression for the conversion of my family, for the uh, people who are dying in Ukraine, for the people who are dying, wherever people who are suffering, other people who are depressed. I give all this and I offer all this for them. And now you're living a living sacrifice with Jesus. So we'll pray for you. And I hope that helps a little bit, huh? Okay. Sunshine 87, 87. Hi, Father Larry. My question is, if you can still receive a plenary indulgence, if all other conditions are met, but you make a spiritual communion setting receiving in person, I don't know. I think Pope Francis did allow that for a time. I don't know if it's still. Again, I would take that um, that question and put it on Google uh, and look it up because I don't know. I think Francis allow, uh, allowed it, but I'm not sure. Good afternoon, everybody. Julie Ryan. We're sorry about Max. Yeah, I, uh, this is Rex. Max died or Mac died in um, October. Um, so all the more when I come out there, I want to see your dog and spend some time with your dog, uh, you too. Uh, there you go. Sorry, I meant Rex. So um, absolutely. Thanks. Call your husband a pagan for me, would you? Thanks, Julie. I mean, yes. Rosemary, I'm sorry. Blah, blah, blah your pets. They all, exactly. Um, thanks. Yeah, I don't know what else I could be than what I am, I guess, there, Chris. Hi, Father Larry, praying for you. What is your favorite book on the Old Testament? It'd be Isaiah, because that was the first book that uh, I encountered Christ through. You know, Isaiah 40, uh, 43, 1 to... F yeah, 43, 1 to 5. Isaiah 43, 1 to 5. And if you ever go there, if you're ever... Like when I was uh, making a uh, uh, 24-hour... Re uh, retreat I would make a, we called it Pustinia and so would have uh, your spiritual director would walk in and give you verses of scripture and so she walked in my spiritual director uh, you know it's a story I've told many 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 times and she says to uh, she says Larry what do you need from God and I says oh nothing I'm quite happy thank you very much Joan and she says what do you need from God and I says nothing and she asked me again I, go, I need to be more gentle again because I know that I'm not gentle I know uh, I do try to work at it sometimes, but again, uh, there is, I just did this thing and they're trying to get me to be more gentle and lose my edge. And I says, I am not willing to lose my edge. I'm sorry. It's just not the reality. I wouldn't be able to do what I do without my edge. So sometimes people want to make me beige. I'm never going to be beige. I'm never going to be one of those people who are just like, oh yeah, nah, forget it. I don't want it. No, no, no. As long as I'm alive, I want to be living. I want to be challenging. I want to be uh, doing all these things I've been doing. I, uh, this is who God made me and I want to be the best I am for his glory. But anyway, so as we come here, Isaiah 43, it talks about, uh, but now this is one to five. And this is really what the first verse that ever touched me. <sighs> but now says the Lord who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the water, I will be with you. In the rivers, you shall not drown. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 
I give Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Saba in return for you, because you are precious in my eyes and glorious, and because I love you. I've went to that a billion times. Um, and again, if you watched The Chosen, that was from the first episode too, and that's why uh, when I saw that first episode and that, that passage, the one that the Lord brought used to bring me to him, and that's the same passage that's used uh, to bring Mary Magdalene back. Uh, it's powerful. So again, Isaiah, and there's a lot of, lot of good stuff in Isaiah and a lot of challenging stuff in Isaiah too, but it's some powerful stuff in there. So yes, that is my favorite Old Testament um, book. Okay. Father, I can't, Father, I can't pray because my father was very close to me passed away I think I'm losing faith again that's the time you need to pray the most because why because it says again in the book of Revelation that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes so I can see you not being able to pray prayers please but you've got to spend time and let the Lord embrace you and wipe away every tear from your eye. You've got to allow Jesus to hold you and tell you that your Father's with me. This is what he was created for. People of God, we were not created just for earth. We were created forever. Again, if we just try to find our home here, life stinks, doesn't it? I mean... People die, animals die that we're close to. People are killed in Ukraine and different parts of the world. People are murdered. Children are murdered in their classrooms. Life stinks. But if you know God and you know that this isn't all there is, we will never be able to know anything until we're on the other side of this. So, you embrace darkness when you refuse to pray. You just embrace that. And the devil can enter into that reality of that darkness and that suicide, or not suicide, but the, the um, uh, depression and everything else. Like, no, I won't reach out to God. But your hope is in letting God reach out to you and embracing you and holding you and loving you and assuring you that your father sees his face and your father has just begun to live and that you one day will follow him. And we were created forever. St. Peter says clearly in his uh, letter, he says, this world is not our home. We are just passing through. So, you should be ecstatic that your father gets to go in front of you to home where there's no more pain, no more suffering, and he's praying for you and that he loves you. And the, the teaching of the church is life does not change, it's ended. I encourage you, you got to get to know your dad as he is, not as he was. As he was is over. There's a period there. 
that as he is, is just beginning. And you can develop a relationship with your dad in Christ. You can't do it apart from Christ because if your dad is alive, he's alive in Christ, in the body of Christ. So if you want to be connected with your dad, you got to be connected with Jesus. you got to let Jesus heal your heart. You just can't say, poor me, look what happened to me in my life. You know, again, if I was there right now, it wouldn't be a good reality. God is always bigger and more and God holds all these people who have gone before us. And you got to be in Christ so you can truly have some peace. So let Jesus, spend time with him. Let him hold you. Let him talk to you about your dad. And let Jesus wipe away your tears. Okay? Sorry about your cooking, Rex. Thank you. Dogs are family too. I'd still take the time we have with our loved ones, even if it costs us pain. Of course, let them, let them go home. Question one from Rosemary. I was raised Catholic but never understood how altar servers, not sure if it's the right name, help distribute the Eucharist and precious blood of our Lord when only the priest should handle it. It must be a while since you've been there, uh, Rosemary. Uh, usually it's, it's Eucharistic ministers, not altar servers, extraordinary ministers. Um, in the early church, it was, they would have the, uh, every time they would have the Mass, they would give you lay people or the deacons, but usually lay people communion and they would take it to the sick. So it's always been part of it. Uh, Jesus came to be inside of us, one of us. And what's happened is so often we make Jesus otherworldly. This God of the universe came and got into our skin and then he went to the cross and he became sin and he died for our sin. So it's okay when Jesus comes and embraces us and uh, they can give out communion as long as the church allows it. Um, again, one of the questions here, as it was written in, I read earlier. Um, where was it? I was wondering why at Mass we take the Eucharist but not the wine when Jesus shared both. And again, primarily that the way that is now is because of COVID and the drink from the same cup scares lots of people. Um, and they say, what's well, the precious blood of Jesus? I go, yes, where's your faith, Father? And I go, go ahead, faith person. Jump out of the airplane and tell God to catch you. Where's your faith? Uh, God gave you common sense and God also gave you do not tempt God. But the teaching of the church is, when someone receives either the bread or the wine, which is truly the body and the blood of Jesus, they receive both the body and the blood of Jesus. So if you just receive uh, the precious body of Jesus, the, the host, you're receiving the body and blood of Jesus. Now, again, it's not like a piece of dead flesh there. You're receiving the resurrected Lord and God. You're receiving the fullness of the divinity of God in Jesus Christ. His body, blood, soul, and divinity forever and ever and ever. That's who it is. That's who you receive. And so it's just a fuller symbol to receive both the bread and the wine. But if you just receive either one, you're receiving all of Jesus. Hope that helps. Okay. So let's go on. Up and up and up. That's question one yeah and uh, not only the priest should handle it again um my hands have been consecrated to change the bread and wine body blood soul and divinity of jesus uh for our bread change that bread and wine into the body and blood of christ that's what's most important about my hands 
But your hands also need to receive Jesus. Because again, if you talk about, well, I'm unworthy, of course you're unworthy, but your son, your, your tongue sins more than your hands, I promise. You know, so again, so you're allowed to receive communion in the hand, and I encourage you to come back. It's been a long time since you've been to church. Come back. Jesus is waiting, and he wants to feed you with his own precious body and blood. Why? Because if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will live forever. So, you want to live forever, come back and receive and eat his precious body and blood. Okay, thank you for that question. Gene uh, says, in the past 12 months, I've lost a brother. I, uh, people, when I posted last night, they're unbelievable how many people have lost dogs and uh, brothers and fathers and mothers. And we're all in this pain together. Uh, and God is with us. That's the, great, the greatest gift of all this. Michael. Father Larry, we just done a funeral mass and noticed the deceased casket was positioned with the feet towards the altar. Of course. Why? When might you be returning to St. Louis? I haven't been invited there in a while. I don't know why. I was, I was uh, on a big, uh, I was there every year. And then, but I haven't been invited back. So I don't know if I wore out my welcome. I don't know. But talk to your pastor and invite me back. That would be a great thing. But the... Um, a, uh, a lay person, when they come into the church, their feet are facing the altar because it's just like they were when they came to church. Uh, they would come facing the altar. So the feet first, they're facing the altar, they're facing the tabernacle, they're facing the priest. It'd be just like if they were alive and sitting there. That's why they're brought in in that way and they stay there. Uh, okay, Jean, my sister and dog, plus my mother, my prayer partner, has been very hard. I Oh, Jesus, I can imagine if you lost... Um, your brother and sister and a dog. Bless your prayer partner. I know, Gene. It is hard, but we get through this stuff. That's all we can do is hold on and know that it's part of the seasons of our lives. And so, like I was saying to a buddy who called me today, I just says, um, it's a hard season in my life right now. Um, and I'm not one who, uh, like, I'm not close to my family, so I can't really uh, work out the stuff with my family. Um, and a, a lot of my friends who are very, very, very uh, supportive at the funeral and right when my mother died, there are uh, very few people. I've even asked once in these months how I've been doing. There have been a few, though, like about a few, two people <laughs> who actually come in and said, so Father, how you doing with your mother? How you grieving? And I'm just so appreciative of that, that they would take the time to ask because it, uh, it has been harder than when I was at the funeral. You know, it has got harder. But again, as I've been saying uh, to you throughout this day, that we always have to have hope. So even though we go through a dark time, even though uh, we get numb sometimes, that's what I do, I get like numb. Like, okay, um, it's hard right now, the pain is hard right now, um, but this is only a matter of time. I'll get through it, we'll get through it. But it's hard, and it's okay to, in the midst of that, like, 
You can go to the Psalms, and some of the Psalms are filled when people are down. You know, you can go to the little flower, and the little flower suffered with depression, and uh, how she dealt with that. And she would make acts of faith during her depression. You know, once, um, you know, she had tuberculosis. I think it was, tuber- yeah, I'm almost positive it was tuberculosis, but she'd spit up blood and different things while she was sick and dying. And she was struggling with the faith. And so um, once she took her blood and she put her fountain pen in her blood and she wrote out the creed in her blood that she struggled and she was in a dark place, but she wrote out the creed in her blood. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, in her blood. So she made an act of faith, and that would help her. When you look at uh, Mother Teresa Calcutta, for 50 years, she only had five weeks of consolation. The rest of was in darkness. And yet she still spent hours on her knees every day, still ran out of herself, took care of the poor, though she felt nothing in prayer. That's faith. Often we want uh, our walk with the Lord to be filled with joy and filled with consolation. And a lot of times it is. A lot of times it isn't. But if we follow God only when we get consolation, it's all about us then. But when we follow God, when we feel nothing, then it's all about him. And uh, so you've got to be patient with yourself when you're in a dark place. But you also got to be making these acts of faith, like the little flower did with writing, you know, don't, write, don't cut yourself and write uh, the creed in your blood. That's not what I mean. But I'm just using that here she had, that was her example. And that, again, like I talked to someone earlier, you, you talk about what you can praise God for, refocus. Because what you focus on, what you think is what you feel. So if you think that everything stinks, then you're going to feel bad. If you know that all things are going to work together for good, then you're going to have some hope. Um, so... But be patient if you're in that dark place. Again, there ain't nothing. Like I can't, I wish I could just sit there and flip a switch for me and say, okay, all is well now. You know, I was slowly getting out of my funk with my mother. And then when Rex started getting sick, I go here, oh, don't do this. I'm not ready for another uh, uh, loss. And then bam, okay. And then bam, uh, Mary died. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. Uh, Jeez, I don't know what to do. Um, and again, I'm not good. Like, so when I came back yesterday and uh, all the women in my office were crying and all upset, I'm not good with emotional stuff. And so for me, I have to be cracking jokes and I have to be, because I can't, if I go there, then I'll be no good at all. I'll just be a mess. It'll, it'll be a mess. I did my stuff because I found out that they put him down about three hours or before I got home, so I did a lot of sobbing and crying and working all that stuff out with me and God in the car. <laughs> I was thinking, oh dear, this ain't going to be good if people look at this. But, so when I got home, then I could do that. I 
Um, I'm not good with the emotional stuff with other people around me. Uh, I think it makes me too vulnerable. I don't know what it does. Who knows? But I had to, uh, but we all deal with things in our own way. So again, just be patient with yourself and be patient with God and don't run from God, run to God. Okay. Okay, hello, what advice from my sister who says, that's why I don't believe in God, because she's had much loss, so have I. Uh, She strayed away from the church and faith. Again, I just think that so often, uh, because we focus on our pain, and when we focus on our pain, we don't get out of there, so that's why we leave the church and we leave God. That's the very time we need to focus on God and say, listen, Let's not talk about regular religion right now. Let's not talking about just going to mass. Let's not just talking about saying prayers. It's talking about the God of the universe who created you and created the people you lost and look at what eternity is and let this God wipe away your tears. It's got to come down to this personal relationship with the God of the universe. Again, I am not comforted in any way, shape, or form by just rituals in the church. It doesn't do anything for me except if you do it with love, you know, like when I say mass, it can be, oh, so good. I know I'm going in and I'm having an encounter with the risen Lord. But just going through the motions of saying the mass does nothing, for me anyway. Because, again, what's necessary for every sacrament to work is faith. Uh, that's what, and God could do it without it, but he put that condition on it. That's how I receive his grace. That's how I receive um, and the efficiency of the sacraments is by faith in what God, okay, you God, you said it, I believe it, there you go. So if uh, uh, when God says to somebody, you know, I want to be healed, and if you will it, I'll be healed, and Jesus says, I do will it, and then the person's healed. Faith makes miracles. Faith, surrender, trust makes miracles. So it's important that we have faith when we have these encounters and not just have an encounter or go through a ritual because it could be superstition and we can just say, well, I've done all these prayers and nothing's changed because you haven't entered into relationship. God is alive and he loves you and you need to do that. If you need proof of what you need, some verses to help you, you go to my Instagram account, or, uh, which is the easiest one if you're on Instagram. You put Father Larry Richards in there. And every single picture for the last four years, every day, uh, 365 days a year, is just hope with a picture, uh, a scripture verse with a picture. And so if you're needing some hope, you're needing some consolation, Go there and spend time with all the scripture verses in there because it's only at night. It's only the consolation stuff. And it'll it'll start healing your heart because the word of God has the power to do that. That's why on... uh, when it comes to the scripture verses in the morning and night, it's not, I just put all the scriptures. Like, let the Lord do the healing. Huh? Let the Lord do that. So I don't get, I used to get involved all the time with um, making comments about people's uh, posts and uh, going after people who are going against the Holy Father and fighting with them. And um, that never did anything except make me angry, make them angry, and set the internet on fire sometimes. So I just want to bring light into the darkness of the internet because the internet is very dark. That's the only reason I haven't stopped being part of it. 
I want, need to bring the light of God into that darkness. And so if you're struggling, just go to my, uh, again, Instagram page, and every post on there is about hope. Every single post is about hope. So go there, and that will help. Okay? Do 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 do. Bruce, how are you, Bruce? Father, would you give speak to teenagers about all this violence that's happened in the schools? I'm hearing many don't want to go back, uh, and they want to do remote learning. That's not a solution. No, it's not a solution. But they got to feel protected. You know, we got to do everything to protect our kids. And, you know, and it's not as simple as taking uh, uh, guns away from people. And it's not as simple as uh, um, putting armed guards at the community, the doors. We need a change of culture. We need God brought back into the culture. We need children to be taught right from wrong. We need children to be taught uh, how to pray. We need children, you know, again, like the vice president of the United States met with religious leaders the other day and never once talked about God. With religious leaders, she said, we must have faith in one another. Faith in one another isn't going to do it. Faith in God, the God of love, is going to really do it. And if we all, whether we're Catholics, Protestants, Jews, Muslims, whatever, the faith in some good beyond us is going to help us. How do we deal with um, saying we can't kill our kids when a culture and someone like the vice president of the United States says it's a person's right to kill a baby in its mother's womb? And they call that choice. And it is a choice. Boy, we all have choices. But there's good choices and bad choices. But their choice, kill another human being. And that's a great problem. And so when we kill every single day in the world and in America, we're killing babies and we're saying that's okay. That does affect the culture. If babies' lives are not important, The no lives are important. This is the fruit of us killing babies all these years. And it's not just that simple, but boy, it does contribute to it a lot. And I'm not just sitting there putting people and pointing at people. I'm just saying we need to have dialogue about this stuff. And people on both sides won't even listen to the other side. We gotta start doing that. And we gotta start talking about God again. Not fighting about God. I mean, holy cow, think about it. Every time, you know, I often think like yesterday I was in a hotel. And every time I go to a hotel, I um I always take miraculous medals and I have the miraculous medals about that big and I have someone uh um sent me little bags you know, so you can put stuff in. So I take a miraculous medal, I put it in a bag, I bless it if it's at the Mass in the morning, but I pray for whoever uh, cleaned the room. And so then I put uh, that, and I have a, 
uh, a miraculous medal card, religious card, explains the miraculous medal. And then I usually have a thing about forgiveness and the picture of Jesus. And then I'll take a $5 bill or a $10 bill, however long I've been sitting there. So I'll put the $5 bill down, then I'll put the, the two religious cards on top of that. Then I'll put the miraculous medal on top of that in its little see-through baggie. And it's like a, not a see-through, it's not like a plastic thing, it's, it's nice. And then I put on top of that, and I'll sit there and say, um, thank you so much for cleaning the room. You did fantastic, exclamation point. I prayed for you and for your intentions this morning. Um, I've uh, left you a blessed, miraculous medal. Our Lady can bring great miracles in your life. Um, I am praying for you, God bless. I don't say Father Larry, I don't do anything else, but I put that on top of that. And I always know, I would think most of the time, when someone comes in and they see not just money or not just, because again, some people just leave money, some people leave something saying, oh, I'm praying for you. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I'm dying of starvation and my kids, but you're praying for me. You gotta do both. So I leave that there, so I'm, I'm giving them cash, to help them physically, but I'm giving them hope. And then I'm giving them a miraculous medal so they can have miracles in their lives. And I often think, though, I'll never meet these people, that it got at least make their day that morning to know that someone prayed for them, someone cared for them, and to get some affirmation from them when they're cleaning toilets and making beds. We all need to be light in that. And I just think, we did more stuff like that, then we'd have more peace in that in the world, huh? But, okay. Hello, Father, from West Covina, California. Sorry for your loss. Thank you, Therese. Uh, Margaret, I offered a mass for my high school. I offered a mass for my high school class, 50th anniversary for our graduation today. Good job, Margaret. 50 years, that's a long time ago. Jeez, not that long. I know, I've been there too. Hi, Father Larry, please pray for me and my family and more patience. At, uh, and where I live, there are bus strikes, and I cannot get to Mass. Our local Catholic priest will not give me Holy Communion on the tongue. Um, yes. and But still receive. Don't ever, I always say, if you can't receive Communion on the tongue, to not receive Communion is saying that your piety is more important than Jesus. You take Jesus any way you can get him. Just do that. That shows humility, and it also will unite you with Jesus. Don't ever. You know, if you're starving and someone throws a piece of bread at you on the ground, you still would pick up that piece of bread and eat it so you could live. You receive Jesus on the Eucharist no matter what, and you'll be fine. Don't ever let your piety get between you and Jesus. Never, never, never. Okay. So we'll pray. Do it anyway. Story of my life. <laughs> exactly. My son is depressed and, uh, and is taking up photography as a hobby. Very good. Jellyfish. Father Larry, thank you very much for doing this live chat with us, answering the questions. Thank you. Thank you, Jellyfish. What a name. Gretchen Turner. A person went to communion, not Catholic. I said, you can't do that. They said, I'm a good person. I'm not going to hell. Again, once a person's done, if they have the faith... Uh, they can't do it officially, of course. Well, there are times a non-Catholic can go to communion, and if they have the faith, they have the if they have the faith, and they can't get uh, one of their own ministers, there is uh, there is 
law for a non-Catholic to receive communion. But again, though, like today when I told the people, it says the gospel today was if, uh, if you have someone, again, if, someone, if you know that someone, Jesus says, if you know that someone has something against you, go first and be reconciled. Uh, before you bring, leave your gift at the altar, go first and be reconciled with your brother who has something against you, then come and uh, deal with your gift. Because, so I told the people, I said, so you know what that means? If there's anyone in your life you refuse to forgive, you cannot go to communion. Now, I know daily mass people who, do, who go to communion every day that haven't talked to a brother or sister for years. You're bringing condemnation upon yourself because our God is one who brings unity and you're holding grudges against people and doing all these stuff. You cannot go to communion. Not just Biden can't go and all these other people can't go. You can't go if you have an unforgiving heart. And Jesus addresses that specifically, but nobody pays attention. We tell people who they can and can't go to communion because they don't agree with us on certain issues. But Jesus makes it explicit who we can go to communion can go to communion and who can't you have to have faith of course we see in corinthians and then again in the lord's prayer it says if you forgive others your heavenly father will forgive you if you do not forgive others your father will not forgive you so think about that i know a lot of people maybe people who are listening and watching right now and you're getting very irritated with me which join the crowd but this is what jesus says and i am his priest and i gotta tell you what he says and we got to live it, period. It's hard, isn't it, to forgive people who have hurt us, to, you know, pray for those who are enemies. Ah, not just pray for them, love our enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. What? This is who Jesus is, and this is what Jesus teaches us. And we got to make sure we're paying attention because it's the Jesus of the Bible will stand before one day on judgment. And because this is his word and this is what he teaches us, we got to make sure we know his word. And we got to make sure we're listening, not just making sure we're judging all the people who shouldn't, shouldn't be going to communion. I have enough to do just keeping myself right before the Lord. And I don't do it half the time. Uh, so we got to do that. But again, no non-Catholics should not be going to communion uh, as a general rule. Okay, Audrey, hi, Father. A friend left the Catholic Church. I asked her why. Her said, I needed more. Explain the Eucharist. She doesn't care. I suggested <laughs> Exactly. When people leave the Catholic Church and they see, I needed more. You wanted entertained more. That's what it was. But you need, you can't get anything more than the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. And people that leave the Catholic Church is primarily because they don't uh, know what we believe. Um, because there have been many times in my life I've wanted to leave the Catholic Church. Let me give you a hint. After the scandal, after all the stuff, when we, I mean, gosh, but I could never leave Jesus in the Eucharist. Just can't. Lord, to whom shall I go? There's nowhere else. Everything is you, Jesus. And so we just got to need that. Okay. Person went to communion, not Catholic. I said, you can't go exactly. Julie, I won't even mention to Zayla you may be coming. She will start wagging your tail. I don't know when I'm coming, but we're going to get there. And he called Paul Pagan. Good job, Julie. Rosemary, thank you, Father. I've been going to the Coptic Church since 2008. I'm 32 and still hold many things for my Catholic upbringing, the rosary, prayers, hymns, etc. Very good. The Coptic Church is very good, of course. Thank you, uh, Father, not to mention my name. 
Okay. Keep me in prayer. I told my priest that I love priests. He took it the wrong way, and I love priests, not for any other reason that they love Jesus. Exactly. Good job. Yeah, uh, sometimes priests are wacky, too, in case you haven't figured. Uh, Margaret, losses come in threes. Yeah, a lot of times. Hi, MC. Hi, Father Larry. understand. I understand, and that you need some support, like all of us. Just for your information, your mom was dying. And then passed, you said from the pulpit, don't ask me how I'm doing. Yeah, right then and there, it was exactly what I said from the pulpit. It was too raw in those days, very too raw. I couldn't, again, it's like when I, I came yesterday, when when I'm raw, I can't, it's like a, um, when things are very raw for me, it's, it's, yeah, I can't deal with it, so, but, after the time, now's the time. But you, you have that right, uh, Mary Claire. Okay, I'm not going to get to any of these things here today uh, more. So, um, again, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I'll come back next week, and we'll get to them next week. Um, I don't know if I'm here next week or not. I think I am, but I may not be. Because uh, I think I'm going to be down here up in Minneapolis speaking to a uh, men's uh, group. So today is the 9th. Yeah, next week I will be, I leave at 7 o'clock on Thursday in the morning uh, to Minneapolis to speak to a band of brothers in Egan, Minnesota. Egan, Minnesota. So, and I won't be back, so I will... Uh, not I might be if I get a if I get a regular hotel I might be able to do it from the hotel so we'll see uh, what's going on you have to uh, listen and I'll announce it in the morning whether uh, well the next day anyway thank you very much thank you for your prayers thank you for um, your encouragement uh, no I love you and I'm praying for you every single day and I ask you to keep praying for me Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. <laughs>